welcome to Graphic Policy Radio, the podcast that mixes politics and geekdom. And we are joined today by a guest I'll introduce in one moment. And we'll be discussing The Defenders, Marvel's latest Netflix show. Defenders was supposed to be Marvel and Netflix's biggest hit yet, a team-up series bringing together Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist, and their surrounding cast of supporting characters. Uh, the results have been divisive. Some fans hate it. Some found it really fun. And we've been look, kind of waiting to do it on the show to make sure that our viewers have had time to watch the series. I believe this will be uh, pretty, pretty spoiler-filled, although I myself have actually not completed the series. Um, and I'm joined today with my special guest, Brandon David Wilson, a Los Angeles-based filmmaker and educator. He's directed numerous short films and two feature films, most recently Sepulveda, which you can watch at sepulvedathemovie.com. Um, and you can also follow him on the geniusbastard.com, tweets at geniusbastard, and recently wrote a really great piece for us about The Defenders. Welcome to the show again. Thanks for having me, Alana. Absolutely. You were last with us to talk about Spider-Man um, Homecoming, which is a movie yeah. that we had different, we, we, you and I were both really keen on. Um, and it, it seems like we're both not the biggest fans of the Defenders, but I, uh, I wanted to sort of, sort of start with by asking a question of like, what was your original relationship to the material, both to the comics and also mm-hmm. to the first three the first three series, you know, Jessica Jones, Daredevil, and Iron Fist, because I can, you know, our listeners can definitely, if you guys want to know my thoughts about Jessica Jones, I did a whole series of podcasts about it, one episode of the podcast for each episode of the show, so I've said plenty about that, Um, you know, I was also a really big fan of season one of Daredevil, not as much of a fan of season two of Daredevil, um, and I did not watch Iron Fist, so that's the Ilana short version of the lead-up mm-hmm. series. What, 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 what did you come into this expecting or want um, from Ooh, the, based on the prior series? Well, there was a lot of opportunity to, um, and let me just say, I'm going to try not to just completely repeat what I, the, uh, what I said in the essay. I sort of looked it over a couple of hours ago just to sort of see what I could build on rather than just sort of say again. But, um, you know, I was really hoping to see something kind of well, obviously different, something unique. Um, the idea of doing something that was epic and yet at the same time sort of street level was very intriguing. Um, it, you know, it, there was a lot of opportunity, I think, to, for them to sort of really do something uh, interesting that sort of drew on all the characters' mythologies and psychologies. And um, I was pretty disappointed. I've watched everything as it's come out. I've watched every show, every, every, uh, uh, Marvel Netflix show sort of like within a week of them dropping. I, I can't really binge, um, within 24 hours I have kids, but, um, as I, Defenders actually I watched within probably 24 hours just because I, you know, I happened to be off work at the time and I was able to, but, um, yeah, so I was really hoping for that. Now, the Defenders themselves, I don't have a real huge connection to the comics or the comics line. The only Defenders comics that I own are the uh, the ones that Matt Fraction did um, a few years ago with the sort of the team was Doctor Strange and Iron Fist and Red She-Hulk and that, that, that sort of short run they did. That's, a, that's really it. I know of them. I know the history, but I really didn't have a huge, like, oh, the, the Defenders has to do this and has to do that. Um, you know, and, of course, the big problem, as I talked about in the essay, is that there's really no 
connection whatsoever to the defender's comic, to the defender's iconography or mythology or kind of characters that are associated with the defenders. And it just, it really is just this sort of in name only uh, defenders. You know, of course we knew it wasn't going to be the comic book defenders because of the absence of Dr. Strange due to the sort of corporate issues with him that he wasn't going to be participating in this, which is hard. You know, if you know the defenders, it really is essentially Dr. Strange's uh, backup group. So that was already going to be different. However, um, it really just, there was just nothing of very little attempt to sort of do on the, in the show, what the defenders did in the comics. And uh, you know, it, it really just kind of, it was just so disappointing. I mean, the iron fist, was bad. Um, the other shows, I think, really worked uh, very well. Uh, I think Jessica Jones is in the top five or six if you rank the Marvel show, the, the Netflix shows with the Marvel MCU films. I think Jessica Jones ranks among the top five or six <clears throat> things that Marvel's done, period, since mm-hmm. Iron Man. Um, <clears throat> and I'm a huge, probably a, a, a huge Daredevil fan. He definitely uh, is a really great, important character. And, and uh, I, I collected him and uh, Power Man and Iron Fist back in the 80s. Um, so, yeah, these are characters that I know and really sort of came to this hoping that it would kind of click, and it did not at all. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I had noped out of the Iron Fist show because it looked really bad. Um, you know, I'm not just speaking from the perspective of being someone who wanted it to be an Asian American uh, character right. and as Iron Fist, it, it looked bad even just on the merits of uh, mm-hmm. Finn Jones's performance and the plot lines and the characterization. Um, I don't think that watching it, I, I don't think that like it was necessary to watch um, Iron Fist to watch Defenders because uh mm-hmm. I think maybe if I maybe if somebody has zero familiarity with traditional comics tropes uh, in these corners of the superhero universe, they might be a little bit lost by some of the tropes that get brought in for this team up series. But if you're vaguely familiar with the comics world, I think you can totally jump into watching Defenders without watching Iron Fist at all. Mhm, mhm, absolutely, Iron Fist. It's, I mean, frankly, it's just a waste. There really did not need to be, we did not need a series for Iron Fist because so little was uh, done, revealed, accomplished. We really (laughs) would have been so much better to save that chunk of money and put it with a defender's chunk of money so that, and, and, you know, maybe add an episode or two. And, you know, listen, we didn't, we didn't get a Hawkeye film uh, 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 before the Avengers. He just kind of was, you know, he appeared here, uh, and, and Thor, and then we, we, we picked him up, you know, there. I mean, that's – you mm. can't do necessarily – I don't know why we had to have a, a, a solo show for every character. I think it would have been great to have Iron Fist be our way into the Defenders, inter- introduce him, you know, over the first couple of episodes, and then there's nothing in that show that really was necessary that couldn't have been given the uh, – conveyed, um, you know, in about, uh, you know, a couple of half-hour chunks in over two episodes. So, yeah, it, it was not necessary at all. And, you know, obviously, and also the Defenders plot line is so generic that it, there's just hardly any reason to – no, there's really not much you need to know. Um, there are these sort of generic bad guys that want to do a bad thing, and that's really it. I mean, it's, it, of yeah. course, there's some history. 
you should know, you, you know, I guess the, the, when Matt lies to the rest of the, the team about Electra, but I mean, that's really not much of a, that's, there's just not much to that because it's, I mean, it, it, it doesn't give you a lot that, oh, he's, I know he's lying, but he, he has a relationship with her. It comes out later. No, there's not much that you need to know really about any of these. In fact, you probably enjoy Defenders a lot more if you didn't watch the earlier shows because you would know that it's fall how far it's fallen from, uh, you know, the, in terms of quality. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it just, it just, yeah. So I mean, it would just, it, 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 you might be able to enjoy it a little more on its own terms if you didn't know how good the other shows were. Um, yeah. So, and I'm really that, trying. That There's two strong. things I don't want to do. I, 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 don't, I don't want to just spend the next, you know, however long saying it sucks over and over again. I'm going to try to find different ways to sort of explore, express that. And I also <laughs> really don't want to get into how I, what I would have done. I mean, there's one character I might bring up that I think was a huge mistake to not bring in. But, you know, I, I don't want to start uh, pitching ideas for, uh, you know, the Defenders miniseries there should be. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just too bad. The, the, the elements were there, um, you know, to make a good show. Um, and this is coming, this is now what? This is the second of three strikes for Marvel mm-hmm. television, the first being Iron Fist. Um, you know, you can argue about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but we'll put it aside for now, that, that whether or not that's a strike too as well. Um, Agent Carter, of course, had a great first season, and the second one not so much. But setting all those aside, I think Iron Fist is absolutely kind of a, a strike, even though, you know, you will find people on Twitter or, you know, on fan uh, comment sections who think I, who think all these shows are good. I mean, there's a section yeah. of, of geekdom that just, hey, if they see the logo of their favorite uh, comic book company, they're in. That's it. That's all mm-hmm. they need. They, mm-hmm. they see the logo. They see the character. That's it. They're not very discriminating. So there are people who like all these shows. But clearly, that's not this. They've fallen short of the of the others. And just real quick, so Iron Fist Strike One, Defender Strike Two, and and, and since I published the uh, my my essay about the Defenders in Graphic Policy, we've had the Inhumans debacle. So Ooh, this point. is you know you know this is you know which which everyone saw coming. You know my yeah. joke has always been that the Defender, I'm assuming the Inhumans was the Trump care of the MCU that you know nobody wants it, <laughs> but it's coming. With, <laughs> it's oh my coming God. With, <laughs> whether we want it or not it's coming and yeah it it, it was it was it was a, it's been a fiasco so it and they you know they went to the trouble of a lot of people worked hard went to the trouble of putting it on imax for very little results i mean they basically have yanked mm-hmm. it from the imax screens now to make room for it which people do want to see um mm-hmm. so yeah this is a, this is a huge this is a colossal um, uh, uh, disaster for Marvel television, which really put a lot uh, at stake for this. And, you know, if you watch the behind the scenes things, it was originally part of the MCU, the the film lineup. And um, there's a lot of sort of scuttlebutt that Kevin Feige never wanted the Inhumans. This was from uh, Ike Perlmutter. This was his idea that they, Mm -hmm. that they were going to be the X-Men for the MCU and that it was completely, nobody was excited about it. And when they part a company, when Marvel Studios and Marvel Television part a company, that Perlmutter decided to press ahead anyway uh, and brought in IMAX. And yeah, so anyway, there seems to be a big problem with Marvel Television with with these, these shows that are just not landing. So. Wow, I, I just I'm just happy to share that one more time with our people because I think that's like the greatest thing anyone has said. The Inhumans is the Trump care of the MCU. <laughs> Nobody wants it, but it keeps coming. Um, right. I, I I'm just like 
that that put that on the bumper sticker that's like the most uh graphic policy radio take one could possibly have on the matter <laughs> also so there's that Thank you. um yes uh so anyhow um yeah i think like for me i i began the sh- i began the series with hopes that it could be good in spite of itself because you have you know three good leads in it and that was something to work from and fans just really love the whole team up dynamic fans want a team up team ups is like what the superhero universes are built of. It's our thing. And mm-hmm. I thought that, you know, I was really, well, I really wanted it to be good. The, but even after the first episode, I was really clear to me that it was not going to live up to the potential that I saw from the other series. I, Mm-hmm. One of the things that's particularly pronounced in the earliest episodes before the real team-up has happened is that uh, you can really see each individual writing staff from each individual show. I've been trying to, to check to see if this is accurate, but it really looks to me that Jessica Jones' solo scenes were written by folks from Jessica Jones' team, that Luke Cage's solo scenes are written by folks from the Luke Cage writing, writing staff, Iron Fist were written mm-hmm. by Iron Fist, etc. I don't know if you've been able to figure out if that's the case, but they certainly seem to be from from how they're the dialogue is done and how they're written in general. Mm-hmm. And uh, what, from what I what I've read yeah. is that there was an attempt by I don't not sure if they actually wrote it, but they definitely um, Marco Ramirez, who's the showrunner of Defenders, we need to you know establish that. He reached mm-hmm. out to the other three. Now, let's also note that Marco Ramirez was the showrunner on Daredevil Season 2. Um, so along with, um, I believe it's Douglas Petrie. Um, Douglas Petrie, they, the two of them replaced uh, Stephen DeKnight, who, um, uh, who left Daredevil Season 1, who, of course, he himself was replacing Drew Goddard, who started Daredevil, but quickly left to do the Sinister Six, which of course now will never happen. But um, yeah. so Marco Ramirez, Marco Ramirez and, and Petrie um, were, they don't have the heat. They didn't have to consult anyone for Daredevil. So at the very least there was consultation, if not writing to try to get the right, the voices that have been established in the individual shows. Um, but yeah, so that, yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I think that the, the most moving thing that happened in the whole series was in episode one or two, um, one of the Luke Cage scenes, where he's, when he goes up to talk with the mother, who's, one of her sons was killed before the show begins, and this, her other son has just been gone to jail, and, and Luke is meeting with her to talk about him and how to help him you know, with his arrest and, and what you know, to track down who's been exploiting the, the young folks. Um, that whole scene between him and the mom was really great. And then when the mom gets a phone call from the prison saying that her son has died and she turns around and says to Luke, all my babies are dead. I just fucking bawled. I, I cried like real, real ugly tears. And it's the sort of thing where if I think about it even now, I would probably start crying again because I thought it was that moving. It was that well acted by the characters in it. The writing was that good. It was just that well done. That whole scene was like just remarkably good. I don't think I've cried at anything from anything that happened in any MCU um, uh-huh. product. 
Oh, no, I got it. I forgot, actually. In fact, you and I were talking about how I got a little bit misty-eyed during Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2 because I was manipulated uh-huh. by their mind warping. But so <laughs> take it back. This is the second right. time. But, but that was a different kind of cry. This was, like a, this was like a seriously sad moved kind of cry right. that was happening here. So I'll give the defenders that. That scene fucking wrecked me. Right. And let's give a shout-out to Debbie Morgan, the actress who played uh, – the woman uh, that that uh, Coulter, as Luke Cage, is talking to in that scene. She mm. was a she's been around for quite a while. Uh, soap operas back in the eighties. I remember seeing her. So yeah, she's uh, she's she's a veteran actor, and she definitely brought it. And I didn't have quite the experience because I was already starting to get annoyed with the show. But she's definitely, I think, you know, brought some uh, a lot to that. Um, and I wish there was, you know, she's one of those people you wish that you saw more of and, you know, had, uh, uh, you know, bigger parts, but she definitely mm-hmm. was well used in that scene. Mm-hmm. And, and from there though, like, you know, once the, this, it's, the series really begins to move towards the whole team up thing, I felt like the show kept assuming that the audience would thought would, would disbelieve the possibility of a team up. Now in the real world, I think, one could be skeptical about it, but people know the forum, the forum of the superhero right. team up. It's not just something which it's something which has gone beyond superhero genre shows at this point. It's something which, you know, Buffy and any sort of action show that's a team show has these moments. And the, the whole show felt like it was just lampshading. Are we going to team up now? We might team up <laughs> in a way that was such a waste of time because we know you're all right. going to team up. It's the defenders. Like, Right. Why are you lampshading this? I, I, I believe that right. you all will team up. Please please stop posturing about it. Yeah, um, and that's Jessica when it starts to get bored. Yeah, when Jessica leaves the restaurant in the, what is it, the fourth episode, I believe it mm-hmm. is, after the, the their first big brawl in the corridor of the Midland, whatever, uh, Midland Circle Financial, and they take refuge in this restaurant. And let's point out, almost the entire episode takes place in this Chinese restaurant, which you know leads me to believe that the budget was a big problem on this project. Um, and she leaves, and you know, you know, she's this isn't me, this isn't me. It's like, yeah, it's just come on. I mean, I know she's Jessica. I know she's got to be the you know eye rolling. I'm not. I'm you know I'm too cool for this shit. I know that, but. You know, it just, yeah, it is a bit of a stretch to have her walk away when you know she's coming right back. And then, yeah, she goes to someone's house and sees her learn something, and she's right back within mm-hmm. an hour or so. It just, it's really flimsy, really not, you know, that's just not, I get what they're trying to do, that that's not how it would work. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that was, that, that was definitely a problem. Um, um, yeah, go uh, So, yeah. like, we, you know, like, we, we, the viewers, know this format. And we're not going to question its validity. So just make the team up mm-hmm. happen. Like, I thought that the coincidences yeah, yeah. that brought them all together in the office building actually did work. I, I completely believed they were all in that office building for all of these combining factors. I was like, yes, you have sold me on this. And that was a steep order. So once that's done, you mm-hmm. guys don't have to go to far-fetched levels to make me believe that a team up's going to happen. Just drop it. Let, let it happen. You know, I, yeah. I will say, like, after that episode, I think it might have been about, I think it was around episode four that I was, I realized, I began something like watching it was a chore. And I contacted you and I was like, you know what, I'm not going to try to make myself get through this whole darn series before doing the podcast <laughs> because I, I am, I, you know, I've got, I've got Twin Peaks to finish and yeah. that's like great art. <laughs> and I'm going to go watch yes. my Twin Peaks, that's great art. 
and then Bojack was that on. Literally like, about oh a, God, that Bojack. is literally the antithesis of everything the Defenders is. Yes, Twin Peaks is the, absolutely the uh, the cinematic achievement of the year. And right, I've I've watched it twice already. And yeah, oh, wow. um, Defenders, I I literally haven't thought about the Defenders uh, aside from a, a, a few random tweets about something that didn't work. Like yeah, it's completely gone from my mind. So yeah, I, he made the right call. I mean, so here I am. I'm about halfway through episode six. And I will say that at the, mm-hmm. at the very end of the episode five, and we're about to welcome to spoiler land, my children. From here on in, there be dragons. <laughs> now that you, I think you've gotten enough. I think our basic listeners have gotten enough information to have a sense about whether or not they want to watch this show or not. You know, I think you can draw uh-huh. from this enough about whether or not we think it's worth watching. Um, you know, I, I definitely think in a world where there's also Twin Peaks, like no, you don't need to. But I don't think it's terrible. Like I don't think it's a terrible mm-hmm. show. I don't think it's utter shit. I just don't think it's that good. I, um, that would sort of be my, my, and I think it's a disappointment compared to their other series. That would be my, my, my hot take on it. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I yeah. really think this might be one of the worst things that has happened to the Marvel universe, cinematic universe. I would say, you know, and I rank these things kind of meticulously and uh, waste a lot of time on it. I would say the only things worse than this and I'm not counting um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or, um, or uh, um, Agent Carter, but the only thing worse than this would be Iron Fist Season 1 and mm. Thor The Dark World, and that's debatable. I think it's really at the bottom of, you know, of this output. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, I, I actively dislike it. Um, and it's a shame because, again, I wanted to like it, and I'm certainly a huge fan. As people, anyone who follows me knows, I'm a huge mm-hmm. comic book fan, and I, I and I was a huge fan of again first season of Daredevil, um, Luke Cage uh, as first season, and also um, Jessica Jones. Really, is the the you know that's set a that's really the gold standard for uh, I think what these shows can accomplish. Jessica Jones really has done a huge amount um, you know for this genre. I've read that Netflix can track who there, there's like two, there's sort of three blocks of people who come to Defenders. People like me who just watch the stuff, who watch all the stuff. Then there's the people who came to it through Jessica Jones, who are more, most likely to have watched it, uh, also watched Daredevil after the fact. And also then there's yes. the Luke Cage people, the Luke Cage uh, people who are most likely to have watched um, Iron Fist. And, and so these, you have these two groups kind of coming together for the defenders. And so the, yeah, I've, I've, I've read that. Um, that makes sense. So yeah, it's a, it's a big disappointment. Cause I had, you know, like I, for example, I definitely had lots of like, you know, friends from feminist movement work who watched Jessica Jones mm-hmm. because of what it was and had no familiarity with the character or with Marvel at all. Yeah. And then who, after liking lots Jessica Jones, were like, I guess I might as well go back and watch Daredevil. And then I know that there were people right. who didn't watch Jessica Jones or Daredevil, uh, but because of the Luke Cage premise and, like knowing who was the showrunner on it and their affection for hip hop were like, okay, I'm going to watch this. And then after that went back and watched the others. So that is a very true. Whereas I don't think there, what it, Iron Fist didn't bring in any new people. Like if you were watching Iron Fist, it's because you were a Marvel fan. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's true. Right. I mean, Luke Cage, yeah. let's let, let us remember Luke Cage broke Netflix. The weekend yes. that Luke Cage dropped, Netflix crashed and you know they they they've issued these sort of weird statements about Iron Fist having these huge ratings and again we don't know this because mm-hmm. Netflix does not release any numbers whatsoever um they don't want to they don't have to so they what we know is what they tell us so there has been a lot of talk about how 
these um, these shows. Uh, Net, the Iron Fist did well, but I know one thing: Iron Fist did not break Netflix. You know, who <laughs> came from <laughs> Netflix? Uh, yeah. And you know, no other show did that, and the Defenders certainly didn't. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely these are you know, and that's the other shame of this not working is that these are pretty. They're all with with the exception of Iron Fist, they're all pretty beloved characters. These characters mean a lot to people. Jessica Jones, even though she's a new character, has really kind of staked out her place, and she definitely uh, has done a lot for the genre. And so yeah, it's really a shame that they you know that it didn't add up. Um, you know, to, uh, to to something worthy of what they did individually, and I and I should just take a moment to say that at this moment I'm wearing, by co- somewhat coincidentally, my Defenders T-shirt, which I got from uh, We Love Fine. Uh, there's a designer there named Rosella74 who does these sort of minimalist T-shirts uh, mm. style uh, of T-shirts, and he did one of the Defenders, and they're all in their classic sort of costumes, Jessica Jones and her jewel and so forth costume, and uh, Luke Cage in the yellow shirt, so the yellow disco shirt. So, yeah, I, it's funny that I, as I'm saying how this is one of the worst things they've done, but I'm wearing the T-shirt, um, you know, because well, I love the characters, so – Anyway, yeah, um, but yeah, I, I would I would be a little more harsh than you even about how maybe because I've seen the whole thing, but just just mm-hmm. how how poor it is. Well, this is what I was gonna say though is I I you know I I was totally ready to just be like I'm not gonna watch the rest of this, but after I went to watch the episode five, I started like the episode where that ends with them tying knocking out Danny. Um, Mm-hmm. And from here on out, guys, expect complete spoilers. So ha- have at it. Um, the episode where, the, where it ends with them knocking out Danny, I suddenly was like, you know, I am kind of interested in what's going to happen. There, there well, I, you know, knocking there out a, Danny is yeah. knocking out Danny is a great way to start. You know, that's Not, a, knocking that out Danny right is a high point. Know. Yes, for everyone, <laughs> a high point of the show. But you know, like the shots of um, Electra passed out in. In, um, in Daredevil's bed was just a really beautiful shot. I, I, the chemistry between um, Alexandra and Black Sky is like really creepy and good um, in ways that will definitely please certain corners of the internet. I, you know, I, it's not a show that I'm going to prioritize watching over things that I had to see in real time because they were so much more important and artistically valid. But I think I will finish watching it. You know, maybe after after I finish with BoJack Horseman season three, I think I will finish watching the series. <laughs> I think that I'll, I will because there's enough open questions that I have sort of around it, and I don't know. Like it's not great, but it's not terrible. Um, mm-hmm. And I and it's short, thankfully, which I had not even realized yes. when I first began. And I yeah, think that we've, that's really we've interesting. Saying, the other seasons were kind of long, even like the other series. Yeah, were long. So maybe this is a sign they learned something from that, perhaps. I, you know, I, 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 it is very odd. You would think this would be the long show, right? You, you've got all these characters. You've got all four of them. You've got their supporting, their sidekicks and supporting characters. And, yeah, and this is a short show, which is kind of counterintuitive because you'd think this would be the one that was 13 episodes. Whereas, yes, the solo shows, eight would be great to keep those nice, uh, you know, keep those nice and tight. You know Punisher is going to be 13 episodes, even though there probably is no need, reason. And I shouldn't even bring that up because I know how you feel. But about Punisher. <laughs> um, but, um, I, yeah, there, there's no reason. Eight is a great length. And yet this show felt so thin it just like 
you've got all these characters and there's really not much plot. Um, there's a lot of the, the hand sort of talking about how alluding to their long history together and what's going to happen. Are you sure about this? And it's just, you know, people talking about what they're going to do. Um, and yeah, the episodes are short. I mean, there's one that's like almost what, 45 minutes. Um, it just is like so surprisingly thin. I mean, I think all the Marvel show, all the Marvel series should be eight episodes. I feel like the Defenders could have been two, two feature-length films uh, mm. released a month apart, and it would have been just fine. And there was no reason to make this eight hours. I think four. You could have done the same job in four, but you know. Uh, and well, I wonder. Really and for me, I'm just, I'm just wondering if it, how much of this was money. I just know that the purse strings. I don't think you know Netflix obviously uh, is spending uh, a, a, a king's ransom right now on all their shows. I don't, th- and I, but I think you know Marvel Television seems to be kind of tight with the purse strings. This did this hmm. show does not feel like they. It feels like they didn't really save up extra for the Defenders. In fact, it, it felt like this show felt a little bit cheaper than I'd say the other Marvel shows. It felt. Uh, some of the special effects are really at the level of sort of are below agents of shield. You know, some of the, just the green screen and things are just was pretty poor. And I just, obviously they didn't have a lot of money. Now, of course I'm an, I'm an independent filmmaker. So I know if you don't have a lot of money, that doesn't mean it's got to look like that. You, you figure out ways to, to cheat and to not to make it look like you have more than you do and which they didn't do. So you have the poor special effects. You have episodes that are largely set in one location, like the mm-hmm. Chinese restaurant where they just sit, they stay, they stay for apparently eight hours they spend in this Chinese restaurant until they have a fight that destroys the place. Um, that doesn't so, bother yeah, me at I, all. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, so, I'm I mean, totally, be, I just wish there was yeah. a little more, there was a little more, uh, it was a little less obvious that they were on a budget and a little more uh, action. And I just, I could have done, Again, uh, you think of the money they spent on Iron Fist, which really would have been better served to just add that in with the, mm-hmm. the Defender's budget and really have a big ability to do something a little bigger. No, it's true because, you know, I am someone who really, as a New Yorker, really obsessively watches the shows and looks, points at different locations. Like, oh, that's the corner of this and that. Oh, that's my friend's apartment. But uh-huh. Like, all that, I'm all into that. And there was lots yeah. less of it here because you had lots of things shot in the Chinese restaurant. But I, right. <laughs> in other situations, I don't really mind capsules, stuff like that. Um, and it didn't really bother, that didn't bother me in and of itself. I, I do want to note that the whole, like, there's a giant neon sign above the Chinese restaurant thing is very uncommon in New York. It's not unheard of in Manhattan. There are a few Chinese restaurants in Manhattan that have neon signage mm-hmm. above their restaurant. But those are like the mm-hmm. most historic places in Chinatown. Those are not your average right. place in Chinatown. And I feel really bad because that building that they wrecked is probably landmarked, you know, like if, that's, right. <laughs> if it's one of those few buildings, that's a landmarked building, guys. Like, please be careful. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of things that cost money, though, let's talk about Sigourney Weaver, which I'm sure costs a lot of money. Yeah. 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 I was really happy to see her in that because I'm always happy to see, you know, like older women get roles that are exciting and dynamic. Um, I did not know who or what she'd be cast as in this it made a lot of sense to have her be one of the elder folks of the hand because then she can be like a, you know, a big terrifying yet serene boss lady, which is what she did. I think she was really good. And I think that um, the character, the way she was introduced with her being sick and the reveal and her, her fixation on the finer things in life and Epicureanness, that all really worked for me. I thought her acting really worked for me. And what I thought was best was her 
in the fight scene, I mean, it's obvious that, well, the fight scene that I saw, there might be more later on, that might be terrible, I don't know. But in the one I saw, like, where she's tangling just a little bit with Black Sky to demonstrate that she's someone who has physical capabilities herself. Like, yes, it's obviously when they cut away and you have a, you know, a, a, a stunt double doing the martial arts work for her. And I'm fine with that, but it was subtly done cut. And then when they get in close again and she's still restraining her, I really enjoyed seeing Sigourney Weaver herself sort of holding back a young person who's fighting to get free and like, you know, like using her body in that physical dominant way when it was in fact her, the actress doing it. Right. I thought that was great. That made me happy. Okay. Well, you know, I'm glad that we're not just both going, that was terrible. That was terrible. So I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to definitely be doing that. I'm glad you're fine. You have a more nuanced, a more, a little more variation in your response. Um, Cause it makes for a more interesting conversation. Um, I love Sigourney Weaver, of course. Uh, as you know, one of my, and if you know, follow my tweets, one of my big sort of soapboxes is the, I'm constantly sort of tweeting about the need to get more women over 50 into the MCU. Um, yeah. that, that's, that's just something I think is really important. They're missing a lot. There's a lot of great uh, talent out there that could be really interesting. My number one is uh, I want to, uh, this will never happen, but I w- Francis McDormand is J. Jonah Jameson. That's, that's like my number one uh, <laughs> uh, uh, fantasy casting for a woman uh, over 50 mm. in these films. So, um, totally. you know, I, I I'm glad. I'm so glad to see Sigourney Weaver. And yet, and here comes the, the butt. <laughs> uh, and yet, it just didn't pay off for me. I mean, it was all set up. And I mean, this. And of course, I've seen them all. And you know, it just didn't go anywhere. It was like they they sort of used her to cover up the weakness that the, how how thin the character was. Also, I really don't understand why they didn't make this a uh, uh, an established villain. You know, this is, yeah. to, I, I think one of the, as I say in my essay, one of the rules that we've kind of figured out about the, what makes comic book movies work is you, do you really try not to make up bad guys, especially bad guys. I think you can make up maybe a supporting character here and there, but for the most part, I think the characters really need to come from the comic. And I know I, I, I'm not one to, to be, to, to judge a film by its slavish fidelity to the source material. But I just think that we've seen these movies play really well when they play on the fact that you know the history of the character, and you may not hear it all, but you know that this supporting character is this person and who this person is. To bring mm-hmm. in just a, to sort of fabricate this, you know, Highlander kind of uh, figure <laughs> that, um, and, and for the villain, it's just to me. I mean, why not make it, um, you know, Morgana Le Fay uh, or Morgan Le Fay, right. um, you know, who's a, who's a very famous sort of mystical villain, villain to Spider-Woman and so forth. You know, make it someone that is already in that realm. You've got, I mean, you literally have this treasure trove of characters. You can't find one and just shape it enough to, you know, really give it some resonance. And so, yeah, she ends up being kind of a red herring and just really not paying off. So, and well, she, of course, she delivers some moments because she's a fabulous actress, but it just really, you know, I, 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 I'm, I, in the end, it just felt like stunt casting, like, let's get Sigourney Weaver because that will make people go nuts. And, you know, so she's, a, she's great. And you'll, you'll be thinking about that, but it just, I would, I want it. I definitely, it, it wasn't satisfying for me in, in the end. So there's, I have, I, I'm of two minds on this. On the one hand, there, there be like who she is in relation to the hand is entirely consistent with how the hand is constructed. Like there, mm-hmm. uh, there are elders of the hand 
periodically series will introduce new random elders of the hand from out of nowhere. Um, you know, Daredevil born, you know, uh, Daredevil, um, oh God, the one where they bring back Electra from the dead, which was like a huge inspiration for mm-hmm. this one. But again, like they, right. um, they uh, have, you know, random new members of the hand with ancient history show up. So like there being yet another elder of the hand who we don't already know showing up in this doesn't really bother me because they all kind of are like that. But on the other hand, uh, I got to give full credit to black, to the um, black girl nerds podcast for, for pointing this out. Um, there's no reason that everything that she did couldn't have been Madame Gao. Madame Gao could yes. have just been Alexandra. Um, absolutely. And 100%. And Madame Gao undermined her. In they, this. they undermine, yes. absolutely undermined uh-huh. Madame Gao in the show in ways that immediately I immediately noticed and rubbed me the wrong way. I don't like her being mm-hmm. positioned to be subservient. That was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't realize that actually this could just be Madame Gao instead of Alexandra doing literally everything that Alexandra did. Um, and now that's I'm a, that's really a great sad. Point. That, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so shout out to them for right. and then, see that. Right. And uh, yeah, that's an excellent observation. And, you know, it gets back to this niggling problem, which is the, the you know, the Marvel's Asian problem, if you will. This affects Marvel Studios and Marvel Television that, you know, they are quick to, you know, borrow the sort of cliches and the martial arts and this. But then when it comes to actually having people of that culture, Iron Fist, I mean, you know, as Stanley's favorite, you know, used to say, enough said. There's nothing, I don't need to go into why Iron Fist is a problem. We know that. But yeah, you could have corrected a lot of that. Um, I mean, you, so you go into that problem again with the hand where you have this whole, this sort of yellow peril conspiracy thing coming back full circle. And yeah, at the very least, let Madame Gao, yeah, run the thing and, you know, give her some dimension and let this pay off. The woman has been there from the very beginning. Right. And so she's just, she's just made subservient and, you know, she gets to, you know, force push a few things, but it's just, yeah, it is a shame <laughs> that they didn't have faith that in, in her, uh, you know, to be the, the big bad. I mean, um, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's somehow, if it is insecure, they were insecure about maybe having uh, an Asian woman be the, the, the heavy, but I, you know, I really believe that people, sure people want positive portrayals, but if you get right a kick-ass villain, I think that it, that steers clear of stereotype. I think people are pretty happy with that too. Uh, yeah. If it's really well, well done. Uh, if you, you know, uh, I mean, and, and Marvel's great at, at creating villains that you, that you are sympathetic to, that you kind of almost want to win. Um, you know, they, they Marvel, Marvel, uh, both Netflix and the movies, they do that pretty well. So it's just too bad they couldn't pull that off, you know, here. Yeah. And the actress, Wai Ching Ho, is just amazing. She needs to be in all uh-huh. the movies. I mean, that performance is just right. fabulous. Uh, and I don't right. think that the and other... I mean, folks from the hand were anywhere near as interesting as her no not at all and of course my whole time i'm just i'm thinking can can the kingpin just get out of prison and decide he's going to take the hand and join it to what's left of hydra i mean i just <laughs> you have this you have a fabulous villain like uh D'Onofrio, and i think denofrio's kingpin is up there among the best uh of the mm-hmm. you know marvel gets a lot of they get a lot of shit for their villains but i think they have had at least five great ones and i think he's up there and yeah mm-hmm. i just i i wanted a villain that i had a little more connection to from the other I, I, a fresh brand new villain just did not feel right and madame gal could have done that too you know i need a villain that's been there throughout so that this whole thing feels like 
you know, uh, a, a climax. You know, originally they were, there was no plan to do second seasons of the solo shows, but I think the success of Daredevil was so huge. And then Jessica Jones, I mean, very successful wins a Peabody award for Christ's sake. Uh, and then uh, Luke Cage. So now they are, of course, you know, heading, they're doing their second seasons, but yeah, there's originally they're really, this was, this was going to be it at first. There's these, four, you know, four series leading up to the fifth miniseries and uh yeah it'll be interesting to see there's there's as far as i know there's still no commitment about whether the defenders is a one t- one shot or if it's going to mm-hmm. happen again um you know if, uh, you know we don't know so we don't, we'll have to see um so yeah and right now as we speak uh jessica jones and luke cage are shooting their second seasons um yeah. as we record this yeah yeah i i you know one one other thing that like I just think we need to talk about that really shows the weakness of the series is, you know, what the hell is the hands plan? Like one of the things that made <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio a great villain is that he was yes. Michael Bloomberg. And I really am interested in shows that people get to defeat Michael Bloomberg. Um, and, you know, former mayor of New York slash magnomaniacal rich man who wants everything to go his way. Like the hands agenda is just, so broad and in this particular political climate you know in the beginning of the series when you know luke is like asking danny like well what does the hand want what is their goal you know and luke is coming from a show a show where um where mariah city councilwoman mariah mm-hmm. it was very clear she was going to make herself rich and she had resentment uh-huh. from her shitty childhood situation and her plan was justification right. and it was like but of a certain kind where she was able to control people and keep them in their place and then Danny's right. like, oh, they just want to be bad. It's like, that's just so empty. Just give it. Right. They don't even have to develop it that heavily. Just give right. them something that's a real concrete motivation. Uh, I will yeah. say, though, that when they brought back the giant hole in the ground, I was like, oh, oh, I forgot about the giant hole in the ground. <laughs> it wasn't just Daredevil who right. forgot about the giant hole in the ground. It right. was also me who forgot about the giant hole in the ground. Right. Um, but just generally, like, you know, I could saying, oh, these are the folks who made Pompeii happen. That's kind of a cool illusion. But, like, what is the agenda really about? This is this global conspiracy. Like, what, what is their alignment? What is their orientation? Just give me something. You know, it's, again, to quote my own essay, it's kind of it's shocking crazy. that they've had literally three years to figure this out. Like they've had three years. They announced this in 2014, the beginning of 2014, that they were going to do this. And it's just clear they never really had a conversation or an idea about the defenders that just that they just figured it would take care of itself. You know, they assigned it not to someone who was going to have be able to work on it for a long time. They assigned it to the showrunners of Daredevil season two, who presumably are also working at the same time on Daredevil season three. Mm-hmm. So it, it just really stuns me that they really how how just half-assed and slipshod the whole thing is like right you've got the hand okay well the hand is what do they want you know and it's just world domination okay what does that mean and why and you know what is the what is it what is, you know what is the hole in the ground and when, you know when they're bringing when you figure out we'll find out what's down the what's down there what they're at what's under the building even that is so poorly explained like okay so there's the remnants of something and what does that mean? What does that do? Like, I really don't know. And I, I'm a pretty good, I, I, t- I like to think I'm a pretty attentive viewer. 
I really don't know what the thing down under the, under the building was doing. I just know it was bad and it was, you know, <laughs> but it's like, and you know, I know, I know that Alexandra is dying, even though she's a, a mortal, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's, you know, it, uh, it, it just plays on too many, like, okay, you've seen this kind of thing before, you know what it is. And it's like, okay, but no, what is this? I mean, even, I mean, Ghostbusters did a better job of explaining what the, what the, what the villains wanted and what they, what, yeah. the, what had to happen for them to get what they wanted. And it almost feels like that same kind of thing. You know, this, this thing has to hit here. We need this key for this lock and we can open up and, and yeah, but, but it's, um, and again, they, they're so coy, you know, you hear Jeff Loeb say, look, they're, the defenders can't have a hole in the sky, open up in the sky and the Chitauri come out. They've got to, Oh, okay. So you put the hole under under the ground, you know, un, under a building, and it's just the same thing. It's just it's slightly different. So the hand again, it, there's just such missed opportunities, and you know, Marvel has such great, um, you know, court, these sort of evil corporate entities. Um, yes, they do. My, my, another another soapbox. Where's Roxxon? I I think it's political yeah. tyrants. I think I think they're scared to to, to touch Roxxon. For those who are, are listening and aren't familiar, Roxxon goes back to the mid '70s in Marvel. It's a it's an oil company that is also like a front for a, a, an evil Hydra sort of organization and I, I they, they've been mentioned a few times on different shows um, I think Agent Carter season two mentioned them yeah. a lot but there I, my, my sense is there's a political timidity to have you know this evil company that does awful oil which is huge in the comic books but yeah so um, yeah. It's like has has some great interviews. like <laughs> right <laughs> exactly I mean so yeah I mean, right there. Can, there's just some I mean, look, I get it. I know how, how it is to work without a, where you don't have a, a $200 million budget, but when you've got a treasure trove of characters, and again, I know they, can, they don't have access to all the characters because I know Kevin Feige has his list that they can't touch. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, of course, another source of misery for us comic book fans, just knowing that these characters, on, once they're on these Netflix shows, you're never going to see them have their team up on with them, the big screen characters. And, yeah. you know, it's really a shame. And, you know, Daredevil I especially, I mean, I, I, it's such a shame that, that this isn't going to happen. Um, hell, I mean, I'd even like to see Daredevil and Black Widow, you know, have their, uh, have their whatever, you know, when they, when they, mm-hmm. when they meet each other or, or Daredevil and Cap. You know, just there's so many interesting uh, teams, uh, pairings that would go. The one that I really think would be fabulous is Doctor Strange and Jessica Jones. I think that could be great. I think those those two as a, as a team could just be like magic, you know. No, sorry, huh. no pun intended. No, uh, I like it. You know, I you, think about it. Yeah, yeah, the detective who's sort of was the cynical detective and the mystic. And, yeah, I think those two would be great together. But, you know, you just – because there's just – you don't even see – you don't – there's so little – um, uh, contact now between the MCU and the TV series. Unfortunately, that doesn't. That's not going to happen. But yeah. what's so surprising about again about Defenders is my last point before I be quiet. Um, is that <laughs> they're not even really doing what they can with what's on their side of the net. In in other mm-hmm. words, like for instance, Shield. Shield. What's happened to Shield? I mean, the movies for whatever reason have decided they're going to ignore Shield from now on, which is a, a problem. But the TV series. The Netflix, you know, the Netflix and ABC series. Well, that Shield's huge still. What? Where's Shield here? You know, Shield should be a part of this. Um, I don't know. You know, it would be great if we could get Agent May or 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 Daisy Johnson into the Defenders, but at least have a, some sort of presence. 
especially given the fact that technically it's illegal to be a superhero without a, without <laughs> uh, authorization right now. Awesome. And you got Luke Cage, you know, you got Luke Cage running around as Luke Cage, you know, doing feats of super, uh, uh, of superheroism without anybody saying, Oh, you know, you're not, you're, you're not supposed to do that. So it's really just, uh, again, I just, it just, all you can think is they really didn't think much about the defenders. They just was not, a, a, there was no real, um, uh, drive to make this live up to what it should be because I mean yeah this could have been as as important and as great as Avengers was but it just was just so slow. again it just seems like they had a, a week to come up with something and that's that's it and the, again they, there have to be characters that they had access to that they just chose not to use well, you mentioned something earlier about what character you would have brought into this and I, I'm gonna. I know you're like. I don't want to make it be all about that, but I want to know what character <laughs> would you have brought in. I want to know. Um, you know, and this is not a guy that I have a huge connection to. This is really just someone that, you know, reading about the Defenders, I know is a is a character. Damon Hellstrom, you know, aka yeah. Son of Satan. Now, you know, I think that that would it would have been fabulous to have that guy come in and uh, you know either drive the story and he's the one because another huge problem of defenders is the team. As much as I like three of the four of these characters and I I like them quite a lot, it's not a great team because they're, they're they're too redundant. You've got two punchers Mm -hmm. and -hmm. you've got, and you've got two strong people. Here's another conversation for another time about how Jessica Jones's powers. I'm not really they, they it's it's weird how they treat her powers because they seem to be unsure, especially in defenders. Like it, you know, okay, so she's strong, but they're not they don't seem to be clear about how strong. They sort of make it seem in the, more in the defenders that she's not quite as strong as Cage. Um, mm-hmm. but she clearly has been established to be that way. And also they, they don't give her, okay, so she's not as tough as Luke. She's not completely bulletproof, but she's got to be somewhat durable. You can't be strong mm-hmm. and, but, but have a regular skin and bones cause you, you know, you'd hurt yourself. So yeah, it's like, they kind of don't know. And she doesn't even do her leap uh, power and all of this. No, I can't You know? Yeah. When she's so, carrying anyhow. Cindy Moon off the when she's carrying Cindy Moon off the field, I just commented out loud. I was like, "Why is Cindy Moon limping along with her? She's Jessica. She should just right. pick up Cindy Moon and carry her off." Right. That's like right. I know it's confusing right. for you, but she is a super strong woman. Like let that happen. Right. I mean, there's you know there's questions yeah. about how good of a fighter is she because it's not like she's a trained fighter. I mean, like Trish even is right. someone who like really trained in how to be right. a fighter. Just we don't really have a mm-hmm. sense if she's actually trained in it at all. She just knows, or she just like can be she's strong because she's she's strong. Um, but right. yeah, they really could have they could have leaned into her flying a bit more. I know it's expensive, but there's ways they could have handled it through. Absolutely, I, I, I mean, there's, there's ways they could have handled. Yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so you've got two two super two, two strong people, and you've got two fighters, and. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a problem because, you know, it's just it's not enough variation. Um, I think Damon Hellstrom would have been fabulous because he, he would bring a whole new set of powers to the, to, the, to the group. And he would also bring the mystical occult aspect to the Defenders. That really is what the Defenders are all about. So that, I think, is a real huge missed opportunity. Also, and I'm going to leave the readers. I'm not going to explain it to you because I, I don't want to bore anybody. But if you read up on Damon Hellstrom, there's a huge connection between Damon Hellstrom and Trish. And oh, there again, sure it just, is. <laughs> and so, I mean, again, if I, I can't understand why 
this conversation didn't happen. And, and, and again, this is a character. I can't imagine Kevin Feige would slip put his right. foot down and go, you cannot have son of Satan. I've got huge plans for him. Um, <laughs> so it just, it leads me to believe that they just didn't know. And they just didn't really bother to do that work and, and figure out who's going to yeah. make the best show. Um, and that's really a shame. And so, yeah. Well, people just wanted Iron Fist because of the Luke Cage Iron Fist connection. I mean, that was the interest. Right. That's always been anyone, anyone's interest in Iron Fist has always right. just been because he had a series of Luke Cage. I mean, that really has been it. Right. And it's funny because right, right, you know, right. in the comics, in the recent series, but um, David F. Walker, uh, and this is consistent with many other characterizations of Iron Fist, though they're not all of them. Iron Fist is just like a fun, like. Got sweet guy who doesn't quite live up to his potential, but really his heart is in the right place. Who's getting his pal into mm-hmm. trouble, but is also a helpful influence on Luke because he keeps Luke from completely making himself miserable all the time by being a brooding mm-hmm. kind of individual. Um, and that's right. a personality that they could have really conveyed with this, and they didn't. Uh, and there are moments where you sort of see like them trying to do like a younger brother, older brother thing mm-hmm. between the two of right. them. And, but it doesn't work because the charm isn't there. And no. they try to sort of make Finn more of the, like, like the chill Zen out guy. But he loses his right. Zen constantly. So it doesn't even work. Right. It doesn't even work. Yeah. And in their children's stuff, in their kids' cartoons, Iron Fist is on the, uh, what is it, Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Like, in the kids' mm-hmm. cartoons, he's basically, a friend of mine described it, so he's basically, like, Michelangelo from Ninja Turtles in the kids' cartoon. So they're definitely right. like really mushing up how the characterization is being done here. Um, I'm not saying they should have had him saying Cowabunga Dudes on the show, but it just seems like a personality that they pulled out of nowhere that doesn't really work with anyone else's mm-hmm. personality in a compelling way. One thing I wanted to right. ask you, and I mean, I know like you don't like the show, so the answer is this scene didn't really work, <laughs> but I do want to hear your thoughts specifically about the scene in, I guess it's episode two or so, where Luke Cage asks Danny, have you considered using your privilege to resolve these problems? Because you could try <laughs> uh-huh, doing that. Uh-huh. And I think that like, there are some fans who are just really happy that the show, you know, acknowledged that this right, was a right. difference between the characters in the first place. But there's other folks who have other opinions about the scene. I don't know. What do you think about it? Well, it's kind of, it is kind of interesting that the defenders slight is a slightly a referendum on Iron Fist in that, right. You have, Luke sort of call his privilege out and yeah, I, I, I didn't love it, but I also thought, well, that's, they're trying, you know, that's an interesting thing. And of course, yeah, that would have to come up. You know, Iron Fist really is the odd man out here. He's the, he's the only he's the, he's the one who's not really a New Yorker. I mean, he, he, Mm -hmm. you know, grew, he was born there, but he isn't a New Yorker the way they are. He isn't connected to New York the way the others are. And yeah, and he's the rich one. Uh, and the, the others are all decidedly sort of, you know, working class. Um, you know, even Daredevil being a lawyer, he just still has this working class sort of uh, aspect to his character. So um, that was cool that they did that. And it was, and of course, I know everyone really, uh, we all enjoyed seeing uh, Luke Cage slam uh, uh, Danny Rand to the ground a couple times and have his, and, and seeing his punches um, until he lights up, um, you know, do nothing to Luke Cage. That was fun. But, you know, I mean, to a point, I, I, I appreciate that. It didn't bother me at all that he would do that. It, it actually made sense that he would. Um, Luke's kind of interesting in this because he, he, he goes from being, you know, he was so cynical in 
and uh, to, in, the, in his own series, and of course in Jessica Jones even more so. And now he's made this whole sort of 180. Um, I'm not really sure, you know, where he's so altruistic. He so wants to, you know, help the community. Um, I'm curious where this goes for season two of Luke Cage. You know, um, I always think of Luke Cage as being sort of, you know, a decent guy, but also someone who's sort of just, you know, relentlessly pragmatic and, and also, you know, this is a guy who comes up with heroes for hire. So yeah, he, he, you know, someone who's like, Hey, I have to get paid here. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they sort of went in a slightly different direction where, you know, I don't know uh, if Heroes for Hire is ever going to come into this uh, in any, to, do, to any degree or if Luke's just going to be a superhero sort of on his own, um, you know, in, on, in, on his own terms. But, yeah, it was interesting to see him go, to see him go so altruistic and so much about helping the community um, in stark contrast, of course, to his ex, uh, Jessica Jones. And also, can I just say, how do you have – Jessica, Claire Temple, and Luke Cage, and you don't have a scene with all three of them together. I just want, yeah. I just don't understand that. I mean, you don't have the, the tension, you know, how to deal with that uh, almost at all. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you have these three people, um, get them in a room, see what happens, you know. Do, you know, do, yeah. do they fight? Do they, <laughs> do they have a three-way what? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, it's, you know, they, they sort of, they finally sort of, touch on it a, a little bit in the, in the last episode. There's a couple moments where there's this, the spark between Jessica and Luke is acknowledged. And of course that's going to, you know, they'll, they'll come back to that. No, I'm sure we all know in the comics that Jessica and Luke uh, are sort of destined to be together, but yeah, I just, it's amazing how little was done with Claire after all this buildup, you know, she's the woman that's really yeah. glued this whole thing together and she has almost nothing to do in this, in this mm-hmm. series. I mean, you know, we on the on, on Graphic Policy Radio, we regularly refer to Rosario Dawson as the queen of love and beauty of our hearts. And I thought that her role in this was just really disappointing. They gave her very little to do except for the romance scene with Luke at the beginning of the series. I was really, really mm-hmm. happy that she and Luke got to have sex. Yay. I applaud them. I'm happy this happened. That was great. Um, you know, I don't think we necessarily had him have sex with someone who didn't have super strength. So there was a different kind of a sex scene. Um, but, uh, but that was good. Yay. But yeah, Claire just didn't have much to do here. And I also thought that in general, like the real, there's a real question of like what happens to all these different couples just continues to sort of be a little bit left out there in ways that are in a, that are not the sort of, there's, I think that most of the writers don't really care about the romantic intrigue that much. And that disappoints me because I really care about the romantic intrigue that much. Mm-hmm. And I know that they're not mm-hmm. going to do much focus on it in the Defenders series, but it felt like whatever was there just wasn't done well by an enlarge. Um, mm-hmm. And I maintain, continue to maintain, obviously, that the chemistry between Alton Hines and, oh my God, what's her name? The actress who plays Karen Page is far superior mm-hmm. Than her, than her, than his, than, than Daredevil Charlie Cox's chemistry with her, and every time they try to make it seem like they were this couple that should almost happen, I'm just a little bit like grossed out at this point, even. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, like yeah. you know, it was unclear to me like what Finn Jones's relationship with Jessica Henwick was supposed to be. Um, Maybe there was a romantic connection. Maybe there wasn't. I don't know. She certainly was really handholdy with him in a way that was like, please, like, just leave him to his own devices. He's not, he's not worth it, honey. Mm-hmm. 
Um, right. In general, yeah, like I don't know. The romantic intrigue just wasn't well handled enough. Mm-mm, no, not at all. Um, yeah, and I mean, Colleen also really suffered a lot in this. I mean, really reduced to very little. Um, in the, she does get to participate in the final episode melee, and she and Misty come together, and so they're you know in a way that sort of hints at them at their partnership later. But uh, yeah, I think Karen's also a huge problem here. I mean, just uh, I'm not a. I know there's a lot of people that don't care for Karen's character in general. Um, I don't. I haven't had a huge problem with her in the other series, but mm-hmm. her writing and Defenders is just so poor. Like every scene she's in, there's no scene she's in that you really enjoy, and it just it's, a, it's really unfortunate. And yeah, every time you see her, you just you you get trained by Defenders that you almost want to hit the fast forward button every time you see she happens up on screen. And you know, to, for all of the side characters who they who who get a lot to do, you know, they all have to do a lot of heavy lifting on their solo show. And literally in Defenders, they 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 basically are all interacting with each other in a waiting room, and that's it. You know, just like oh, so you're you're Jessica's uh, best friend, more than a best friend, and you're and you and you know the daredevil. Wow, I mean, just I, I just not interesting. Um, again, you figure in an eight, eight hours, they could give Foggy, Karen, Trish a little something to do. We understand they're not the Defenders. Um, but yeah, just uh, uh, kind of shockingly poor in terms of how the characters are sort of deployed um, in this in the show, and 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 just they really did, didn't have much to do except for sort of remind you that they're there and wait till their solo shows to pick up so they can have an arc again. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good way to put it. Um, and then I think speaking of things that are to come. Many of our listeners are probably aware that I think having a show in which the Punisher is the protagonist is a terrible idea for the future of the world um, because all that will come as a result of it will be a lot of right-wing hate memes that will like literally arm the alt-right with further cultural ammunition to seduce you know, young, marginally racist young men towards taking greater racist action and feeling more comfortable in embracing their racism. Um, so that's going to be coming. I, I, you know, the thing is, I know yeah. that there's lots of people with great politics who really enjoy the Punisher as a character. And I'm really interested in talking with folks whose politics are from the left or, who, you know, people who are doing anti-racist work who do like the Punisher to help figure out sort of how can we disarm this ticking time bomb that is this next series uh, mm-hmm. that before it like, literally hurts people because it is going to happen no matter what. Um, I don't mm. think that more, I mean, Perlmutter is like literally evil, but by and large, most of the people at Marvel aren't <laughs> sitting there like twiddling their thumbs, looking forward for a cultural bomb to explode. That's not, they just don't, mm-hmm. they, they don't get it. They don't know how the culture is yeah. weaponized in those ways. But I don't know if you mm-hmm. had any thoughts about how this sets us up for the Punisher. Um, or, or, or maybe, or, I don't know, maybe you're one of the lefty folks, who, anti-racist folks who's like, I think the Punisher could work. I think it could be good. Mind you, I'm not against the Punisher being a character at all. I'm against him being the mm-hmm. protagonist of a show because that makes him the hero no matter what you tell the audience um, or no matter yes. what you tell Karen yes. Page when she becomes a massive hypocrite for siding with him. Um, I don't know. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts? <laughs> um, I tend to agree. I, mean, I have a long relationship with the Punisher. I was sort of 
you know, I'm 46. So, you know, that means when he kind of exploded in the mid eighties, I was there, you know, I was part of that. I had the poster on the wall. Cause you know, I'm a teenage boy, of course, it's, you know, Punisher's awesome. But um, as you grow older, although I really did enjoy um, Anne Nocenti's um, run of, Dare- of Daredevil, in which she made Daredevil this, you know, unapologetic lefty. And so when he and the Punisher fought, it was really not just you break the law and I don't. It was really, you know, right wing versus left wing. And then a theory, and I told her this on Twitter, like, I, I think that really had a big impact on me when I was to read that at seven, sixteen, seventeen. that, you know, these superheroes really stood for sort of points of view uh, that were real, rooted in the real world. And that that's part of why they were, you know, destined to clash all the time, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm thankful. Thankfully, I missed the Frank Miller Daredevil. That was like before I got to the character. So I'm really happy that I got to him when he was this, you know, uh, kick ass, bleeding heart uh, liberal. Um, but anyhow, um, so, you know, honestly, now, yeah, I'm not a huge Punisher fan. I tend to agree that the character, he's a great, he's a great guy to appear. He's a great guy to show up. Um I think the season two of Daredevil completely collapses when Punisher disappears. Um, that's really the most interesting part is the, the interaction, the interplay between the two and sort of when he's a mysterious figure. Um, yeah, I have a lot of misgivings. And obviously we all know that if you see a Punisher sticker on a, on a car, uh, half the time you don't think, oh, there's a, there's someone I'd, I'd probably, uh, you know, I want to talk to and hang out with. You think, oh, this must be, this is a right-wing guy whose politics probably appall me. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is the one character, comic book character who whose fandom I'm a little very, I'm quite iffy on. Um, yeah. And, yeah, this, this is a very politically charged time to be doing these sort of, you know, bloody um, white male Avengers. I mean, this 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 thing, uh, American Assassin, which I guess is is tanking at the box office. You know, I was just saying earlier today to somebody, it's like, you know, yeah, this is this this really kind of sickens me to be honest. And I'm and I'm someone who grew up with all that macho stuff in the eighties. But I mean, yeah, where we are in the culture now and mass shootings uh, every week, it just, I mean, this this sort of uh, glorification of violent retribution is really is kind of irresponsible. We will see. I mean, I, it looks like the Punisher is going to get some grand conspiracy um, that goes deals with Afghanistan, and I'm sure they're going to try to do a pull a, a Captain America with him, where it's like he's not. Yeah, they know we know he's sort of associated with this sort of right wing point of view, and they're going to make him more of this sort of like you know put him pit him against someone kind of like Dirty Harry and Magnum Force. They're going to probably pit him against something that's even more right-wing and horrible to sort of Mm -hmm. make him seem less so. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll watch it. I do like Bernthal as a Punisher, but I completely understand why you feel the way you do. Well, that's interesting that you think that they might take it in that direction. I'm really interested in, like, what do folks think is likely to happen in the series? You know, having him go up against, like, someone who's like, hi, I'm a Nazi, um, in a more clear terms, I think (laughs) is an interesting is an interesting possibility. Um, I mean, do we have a sense at all of what plot lines they're considering at this point or? We don't from the little bit of video and things that the very sort of oblique things they've been releasing, you get the sense that this is about some vast military conspiracy that Frank Castle possibly was a part of at one point And now, so in other words, not going to be the Punisher taking on you know MS-13 or the Punisher just going yeah. and, and blowing away scumbags. It ain't going to be that. It will be something where his past 
as a soldier and the sort of chicanery, you know, there's a scene of him grabbing another, you know, grabbing another soldier and shoving him against the wall. And I have a feeling they're going to sort of go pull, pull a Captain America with him, you know, knowing that knowing what he represents might turn off people to sort of, sort of put, put, paint them in a sort of different way and have him be sort of represent something different from, you know, I'm right, you're wrong, and you die. Um, so we'll see. We'll we, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, um, again. So yeah, I, I I share. So I have a I have a very complicated relationship with the Punisher. But you know, I totally get why. You know, this is not necessarily good news. And yeah, there's a lot of characters I'd, I'd rather see um, come to Netflix, uh, to Marvel Netflix. Um, I think Moon Knight would be fabulous. Um, mm, I kind of wish yeah. they sort of go, you know, for, for that specific thing where you can be a little more gritty and you can take him into a series like that, um, you know, that would be really interesting. Um, and, my very, you know, my very complex, mentally ill Jewish superhero who talks to an Egyptian deity, definitely an interesting character. Yes. You haven't seen that before, have you? Yeah. No, I have not. <laughs> that, that, no, I have not. That's, that's some new stuff, and that would be great. But, uh, you Actually, know, I know. In, thought, in, I don't think yeah. there's nobody Jewish in the MCU is there Tony I believe Tony Stark has made or no, I think it was uh, Howard Stark and maybe it was on Agent Carter has alluded to being possibly Jewish that the Starks oh, were Starks when they came here so I think right, it right. was that but no not really um, that they, they, that in sort of in keeping with the comics they they, they have been sort of they, they haven't done a lot of that um, and of course you know you, you uh, when Bernthal was cast, I was wondering if they would sort of go that way with the Punisher, you know, mm-hmm. but no, I mean, he's a, he, they made him, a, they established that he's a Catholic, just like Daniel yeah. is, which I understand, which I, that, makes, that makes sense. Yeah, to, I agree. Yeah. Also, I'm sort of like, no, 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 we don't want him, you can keep him. I would much rather take the mentally, <laughs> the mentally ill man with three different jobs, who's like, I don't know, I, 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 I'm like, that feels much more related that definitely feels way more relatable to me as a Jewish person than, um, mm-hmm. than uh, the, the person who decides that he's white and is in charge of deciding who's guilty and who's yep. innocent. Um, right. And I mean, and, aside, and of course, Magneto is, you know, over on Fox, but exactly. when they, and, and then they separated, uh, effectively separated Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, which I know some iterations say that they're not, the children of Magneto, but in my mind, they're always going to be the kids of Magneto. And in my mind, as I watch even age of Ultron, these are the kids of Magneto and therefore um, Jewish, even if they weren't, uh, you know, raised uh, knowing that they were so, but yeah, so they're, that, that's, that's it. And yeah, they're, they're not really, they aren't, um, you know, Scarlet witches and not, if she doesn't seem to be aware of her Jewishness or hasn't talked about it, if she is. Mm -mm. No. So suddenly I feel very invested in this moon Knight idea of yours. Uh, well, I, hopefully they'll be at Daughters of the Dragon. I mean, I know that we have yeah. that somewhere there is a robot arm making its way to Misty Night. Um, they released the first still, and it looks actually kind of like a like you know a, a, a conventional prosthetic arm. Um, like it, it doesn't look; all, it's not all tricked out. Now that might just be an early thing, and, and they may they may freak it in post production. So I don't know how far they're going to go with her having, if it's like being bionic and her being able to, you know, knock to knock down doors or what have you. But the arm is in place. The arm, she's the prosthetic arm is coming. Uh, I, I'm guessing it's going to be Rand uh, Enterprises, 
which I don't even mm-hmm. remember what Rand Enterprises does. I watched the Iron Fist all uh, episodes. I don't even remember <laughs> what his company. I don't even remember what his company does. They're it looks like he's gonna... people. Yes. Oh my God, Vincent right. Adult Man. <laughs> Vincent Adult Man. Now, do, you, do, you, do you watch BoJack? You watch BoJack, right? I don't. I do not watch BoJack. <gasps> oh my God! I'm but not. you live in Hollywood. Okay. Well. <laughs> You should watch Bojack Horseman, but um, for our listeners okay. who do, I won't spoil it. I have—I I feel like there's a real connection between Danny Rand and Vincent Adult Man, as both of the characters are constructed in the shows, and I'll mm. leave it at that so as not to spoil you. Okay. Um, okay. But, yeah, so but, he does uh, very yeah, business so Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It just feels so generic. Um, yeah. I, so, yeah, I think there's a huge fan uh, – you know, hunger for Daughters of the Dragon. If, and frankly, if I were, you know, uh, Jeff Loeb or whomever, I would even, I would deep six defenders for quite a while. And the next big one would be Daughters of the Dragon, because clearly that's where the interest is to see, you know, um, uh, Colleen, Misty, um, possibly uh, Trish, and you know Claire in there somehow to get doing their own uh, their their own mystery their own adventure yeah that would be that would be good and it could happen I think that you know we'll see if if they're smart they'll listen and they'll go that way um, but yeah it's unclear and then of course there's this whole drama going with Disney threatening to start their own streaming service so I don't think that the, that the Netflix shows that the Netflix Marvel shows will be in any way uh, um, I can't imagine them getting yanked to a Disney service because, I mean, these are shows are pretty, these are R-rated shows for all intents and purposes. And so I can't imagine that Disney would want them on their streaming service, but that's another bit of drama in the sort of, in the future, as far as Mm -hmm. Netflix is concerned. But I don't, yeah, there's been no real word. I mean, they did announce uh, that they're doing a, they are going to do a second season of Iron Fist as well. Um, (laughs) And I swear. Why? No one asked. Yeah. <laughs> when I watched the no Comic-Con footage of uh, the panel, I swear I heard basically a polite smattering of applause for uh, when they announced that Iron Fist will get a second season. It was not at all lusty or yes, it was just kind of like, oh, sure, we'll clap for that. But um, yeah, so they, apparently they're going to do Iron Fist season two. Um, and again, do we really need Iron Fist season two? Just put the guy in Luke Cage season two and, you know, call it a day. I mean, do we re- really? But yeah, apparently so. There is some setup, I think, uh, without, you know, slight spoiler, there is definitely some setup that Iron, that Iron Fist is going to sort of position himself as the new uh, Daredevil because Daredevil's situation is kind of in, yeah. uh, unclear at the end of, of Defenders. And it, there is some indication that Iron Fist is going to try to become the new sort of, you know, Daredevil of, uh, you know, Hell's Kitchen or, you know, be the defender that uh, in the – of the streets of New York require. Um, yeah. I mean, know, and that's a but, comic uh, story, well, right? That, that was Bendis. Right. Bendis had like a whole, um, yeah. which I, which I really enjoyed and liked. Um, but that was back when Bendis was doing mm-hmm. really good shit consistently. And that also was an iron fist who wasn't this iron fist. I don't know. Right. Maybe if iron fist tries to act more like Charlie Cox, he will be less irritating. <laughs> or maybe if he maybe trained a, like Charlie Cox. You know, because yeah. Charlie Cox looks like he actually trains to fight. And again, how can the fight scenes be so good for Daredevil? Um, even season two has some really good fight scenes, mm-hmm. and the fight scenes for Defenders are just dreck. They're just the worst. I mean, there's one scene in the Chinese restaurant 
where I'm literally just watching a bunch of people, like, I'm just watching fists and elbows, and it's just like, there's no poetry, there's no choreography, it's just like, this isn't interesting, and, you know, and to never have a scene where the lights go out, and I, and Daredevil is calling out punches for the other guys, come on. Yeah. How can you, How do you not do it? How can I know. You? Also, speaking of staging, um, I was really like, I get the whole scarf over the head thing, but it looked so dumb. I felt like there had to be a different way to visually cover his face without it looking so dumb. Like, even a different kind of scarf would have been more effective. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, what did you have thoughts about how they did that from a visual standpoint? Um, yeah, it, it, it looked, um, you think a guy like him would carry something just in case in his back pocket for that kind of eventuality. But, um, also I'm not really clear if it would have really, I think you could have gotten away with him just fighting, you know, without that. I mean, I understand at that point, the character thinks he, I've got an identity to protect Jessica Jones can be Jessica Jones and Luke Cage is Luke Cage, but I'm the one who puts on a costume. But, you know, it's like, I, I think you could have just had him wander into this fight and he's having it and he can't, he doesn't have time to do that um, rather than, you know, Jessica already knows who he is. So it just seemed a little unnecessary. Um, if you know where the plot's going and you're the writer, you can just sort of not have to make that kind of decision where you have to and, and put Charlie Cox in a sweater uh, over mm-hmm. his face, the top half of his face. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, there's just a lot of decisions in this that seems very um, poorly thought out and not really like, uh, you know, it, it just didn't need to happen that way. Um, so, yeah, but pretty much that. Um, yeah. So. Well, thank you again. Um, I think we're probably a good time for us to wrap. Uh, yes. I'll just remind our listeners again that where they can follow you on the internet. Uh, yeah, you can come to uh, GeniusBastard.com as my personal website. Um, uh, Sepulveda the movie is the site for my film. You can also go to uh, Vimeo.com slash on demand slash Sepulveda. The film's available. This is my second feature I co-directed with my wife, Jenna English. You can, uh, it's available for rent or purchase. Um, you watch the trailer and uh, check it out. Um, and I am on Twitter tweeting constantly as Genius Bastard. Um, about all these things, and uh, if you if you really want to know more about my uh, ideas for how the defenders could have been awesome, I'd be happy to tell you. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Oh, we appreciate that. And for our listeners, um, the long lost Brett will return to us. The prodigal co-host will be joining me on Monday for a very special episode. That'll be the Graphic Policy Reunion Show, in which Brett and I will update you about all the crazy shit that's gone down in the comics world since we've last discussed external news of things happening in the comics world. What did we learn at San Diego Comic-Con? What did we learn at FlameCon? What's coming up in the new year? Oh my God, Ta-Nisi Costa's writing Captain America. Will the world be a better place finally? Who can say? Join us on Monday to find out more. Um, so, Looking forward to that. And uh, for anyone who's listened to the episode late, you can actually listen to us um, by downloading us now on iTunes. We'll be up on iTunes in about an hour or two. You'll also be able to download us on SoundCloud and Stitcher in a couple hours. And there will be an archive of this up online in a couple hours as well. So uh, remember, we're graphic policy. You can always read our great stories, including pieces like the one by David 
at um, graphicpolicy.com and on Twitter at Graphic Policy. And I, myself, Elon11, I'm on Twitter all the goddamn time at E-L-A-N-A underscore Brooklyn. And from now until next week, keep it geeky.